0: are you good at keeping secrets my wife Molly is good at many things she's good at more things than I'm good at I honestly think but one thing she's not particularly good at (laughs) is keeping secrets she gets so excited she feels she just has to share the news when we talk about secrets usually they are not meant to be shared But today is different. I want to talk to you about a secret that's meant not only for us to know, but for us to share as well. What is the secret to living with joy, and why does that matter for you and me today? The answer might surprise us, but it's an answer that has been tested and proven true time and time again. This is the final message in our series about thieves of joy and how we can overcome them. Over the last five weeks, uh, we've talked about how worry, uh, bitterness, uh, busyness, negativity, and guilt can rob us of the joy God desires for us. And we've also looked at specific practices that we can implement in our daily lives that, that help us overcome those joy thieves, and experience more and more of the joy offered to us in Jesus Christ. No one other than Jesus models the positive steps that lead to a joy-filled life as much as the Apostle Paul does. That's an amazing statement when you realize that Paul was ostracized by his friends persecuted by his enemies, subjected to immense physical suffering, and constantly burdened by his concern for the young churches uh, and often troubled churches he had planted. If we can learn the lessons that Paul learned, then we too, even in the most challenging circumstances, can experience great joy. Nearly 2,000 years ago, in his letter uh, to the Christians in the city of Philippi, Paul wrote, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Notice Paul's honesty here. He says he has learned to be content. Being at peace and living with joy was not Paul's natural condition. He wasn't an optimistic gla- glass is half fool, kind of guy, by disposition. It wasn't his natural predisposition before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. It wasn't even his normal state after he came to faith in Christ. He had to learn to be content. Paul wrote that he had learned to be content in any and every situation. If there was ever someone who had a penchant for getting into any and every situation, it was Paul. Paul was one of the early followers of Jesus, and he shared the the message of Jesus in a hostile world, and he suffered for it. Five times Paul was given 39 lashes. It was believed that 40 lashes could end a person's life. So this meant he was basically taken right up to the point of death by lashing, And he endured that not once, but five times. Three times he was beaten with rods. Three times he was shipwrecked. Once he was stoned by an angry mob. On many occasions he went without food and water. When he wrote to the Philippians this letter we read from, Paul was in prison waiting to stand trial knowing he could very well be sentenced to death. To make matters even worse, most of the people he had counted on had deserted him. There in prison, Paul wrote his letter to the church in Philippi, four little chapters. But today, 20 centuries later, commentators often refer to this letter as the epistle of joy. Fifteen times in these four short chapters, Paul writes about his joy or calls upon the Philippians to rejoice. Paul writes, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in poverty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Again, Paul wrote those words while he was in prison About to stand trial. Can you imagine that? I mean, I I hear the confidence, the faith in those words. And given the circumstances, I think, this is amazing. How does he have such confidence, such strength, such faith, such joy? And how can I get that too? If Paul could learn to be content, it means so can I, so can you. That's something we need to learn because many times we are inclined to settle for much less than what God desires for us. And when we settle for much less than what God desires for us, before long we will begin to feel not content but a lack of content. And Jesus came to bring us deep, abiding joy that doesn't depend on what is happening around us or what is happening to us, but is available to us no matter what. That is the secret to living with joy. And this secret is for all of us to learn. Paul can help us and teach us how. The secret to living with joy means expecting that life will be hard. Somehow we've gotten it into our heads that if we're having problems, we must be doing something wrong or or someone else must be doing something wrong uh, to us. Subconsciously, we assume that life is meant to run smoothly. It's supposed to follow the schedule we've set out for it and to work itself out according to our predetermined plans. If it's not doing that, then something must be wrong. Actually, what's wrong is our expectation that life should should be and will be easy. Uh, Most people will tell you they don't believe that. They, They don't believe life should be or will be easy. But when life gets hard, listen to them. Very often they cry out with great sincerity and emotion. Why is this happening to me? What have I done to deserve this? Why is fill-in-the-blank, my job, my marriage, raising kids, being happy, caring for aging parents, doing the right thing, why is this so hard? Paul learned that life was a struggle. I think he would tell us to expect life to be difficult. Why do I think that? Because in all of his writings, we don't find one word of self-pity. There's not one instance when Paul cries out, life's not fair. I deserve better than this. When he's in prison for preaching the gospel, Paul doesn't write, God, why do you allow me to be whipped and beaten? Why do you let me go hungry and cold when all I'm trying to do is be faithful? Instead, we read things like this it has been granted to you on behalf of christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle you saw i had life is difficult for everyone that doesn't mean it can't be good but if we expect it to be easy we're more likely to live with disappointment and anger than contentment and joy the secret to living with joy requires the right focus. We have the ability to choose what we focus on. The way to be content and live with joy is to focus on the right things. One woman, a, a young mother in her 30s, made an appointment to see her pastor. She was unhappy with her life and, and she explained all the reasons why. And And then she ended by saying, I just wish I had the life Joan has. Of course she would want to have the life Joan has. Many people would want that kind of life. Joan had married into a wealthy family to an easygoing man who was respected by everyone who knew him. She had a dream home. On a hundred acres of land, she wore the finest clothes and was physically attractive. Her children were grown and successful. They lived close enough for her that she could see her grandchildren as often as she wanted. She had it all. I just wish I had the life Joan has, said the young woman in her pastor's office. Then I'd be happy. She would have been surprised had he told her, that Joan's husband had sat in the same chair she was sitting in just two weeks earlier. He had come to see the pastor because nothing in the world made Joan happy. She's just miserable all the time, he told his pastor. Nothing is ever good enough for her. She always finds something wrong with everything, even with the kids. It's like she's looking for reasons to be unhappy. I've tried everything her husband said. I want to help her, but I don't know how. He ended by saying, if it wasn't for my commitment to Christ, I'd be here telling you I was getting a divorce. After counseling hundreds of people as a pastor, I've learned that it's not the people with the fewest problems who have the most joy, and it's not the people with the most blessings who experience the greatest happiness. The people who are the most content are the ones who focus on what's good in their lives and regularly express gratitude for those good things. As the Swedish proverb states, those who wish to sing always find a song. Paul instructed the Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If you concentrate on what's wrong with your marriage, your children, your job, your church, the people you meet, the place you live, and what's wrong with yourself, you will become defeated and deflated and dissatisfied and discouraged. Or you can focus your mind on what's good in your spouse. And yes, there is something good. (laughs) You can focus your mind on what's good in your children, your job, your church, the people you meet, and the place you live. If that's what you're looking for, That's what you'll find. In the process, you'll discover how blessed you are and how content you can be right now. Several weeks ago, I mentioned the name of someone who inspires me, Dabo Sweeney, uh, the head coach of the Clemson Tigers football team. Uh, I'll say it again. I want to play on his team, and it's not because they happen to be winning a lot of games. It's because of who he is, the kind of leader he is, and the kind of culture he and others have cultivated there. Uh, in January, Clemson won their second national championship in three years. Listen to what Coach Sweeney said right after the game ended. Chris, thank you very much. Davo, there are a few coaches in any sport who show more joy than you do. How do you describe the joy of the moment? Well, that's, that's been my word all year, and, and I, I just tried to have been. i tried to be intentional with that. And um, for me personally, joy comes from focusing on Jesus, others, and yourself. And um, man, I mean, it, you know, very few people. There's so many great coaches that that are so deserving of a moment like this that never get the chance to experience it, and um, to get to do it once, and now to get to do it again. You know, I'm just, it's just a a blessing, and and it's just simply the grace of the good Lord to allow us to experience something like this, and I'm so happy for our team, our fans, our administration, our former players that love the ball, and uh... you get a sense of uh, his enthusiasm in, in just that short clip. Joy means focusing on Jesus, others, and yourself. How often do you hear that on national television? And he's exactly right. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He died for us and he has risen. Because of Jesus and his great victory, we can bear the crosses in our lives. The way of sacrificial love is the way of Jesus and that's the way to joy. The secret to living with joy calls us to pursue an eternal purpose. God made you for a purpose. You are loved by God, and your life matters. There are many ways to describe what our purpose is. Here in the letter to the Philippians, Paul says, "...to become blameless and pure." Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. What's our purpose? It's to bring light to people who are in darkness. It's to bring light to those who are lost and lonely, who are hurting and desperate, who are struggling and looking For hope. It's to bring light to people who are confused because the world has lied to them about who they are, what God is like, what's true, and what's right. We are here to care enough about those people that we enter their world and, with our words and our deeds, bring light into their lives. A man named Alexander. Papaderos was born on the island of Crete in the Mediterranean. During World War II, his village was destroyed by the Nazis, and Alexander, still a child, was put in a concentration camp. After the war, he was determined to be a force for peace and forgiveness. He studied theology and in 1965 opened an, an institute focused on promoting uh, peace and reconciliation. One day, while taking questions after a a lecture he had given, he was asked, what's the meaning of life? There was some nervous laughter in the crowd. It's such a big question. But he answered it. He opened his wallet, and he took out a small round mirror about the size of a quarter He told the audience he had grown up poor in a remote village. As a boy during World War II, he had come uh, upon uh, the scene of of a motorcycle uh, wreck. It was a German motorcycle that had had wrecked, and uh, there were pieces of shattered glass from one of the mirrors lying there on the ground. And he was fascinated by these pieces of mirror, and he took the largest one... He could find this one he said he picked it up looked around no one was there and he decided he he was going to to keep that and so he did and, and he took it with him and then began to see how the light was reflected in that mirror he he used a stone to smooth the the edges and to round it into a circle and and he used that that mirror and was just so intrigued by the way it enabled him to reflect light into the darkest of places, Uh, deep holes, the corners of closets, places that never before had seen the light of the sun. The more inaccessible the place, the greater the joy he derived from seeing the light shine into that darkness. And he kept that mirror with him as... uh, as he grew up and used it frequently, and then at one point, he, he, he said as he was answering this question, what's the meaning of life? He said that it began to dawn on him that this mirror was a metaphor for his life. It was a metaphor for what he was to do with his life. He said, I came to understand that I am not the light, but light, representing truth, understanding, knowledge. Light is there. And it will only shine in many dark places if I reflect it. I can reflect light into the dark places of this world. And that will change some things in some people. This is the meaning of my life. And the way he answered that question was clear. His answer wasn't just about him personally. His answer relates To all of us, the meaning of our life, to reflect light in dark places. The world God loves is broken and hurting. God's great purpose in Jesus was to bring grace and truth into the world so that all might be forgiven, healed, and restored. We can become a part of what God is doing in the world. God's good purpose for our world must become, must become our purpose. In some way, we must shine light into the darkness of our world so that those who are hurting and lost can find their way to God. Living for an eternal purpose is what this is all about. It's what your life is meant to be about Not a fleeting purpose, not a self-centered purpose, but a purpose that is so much greater than any of that, an eternal purpose. And living for an eternal purpose, let me be clear, will not make your life easy. It will make you care about those who are hurting when others are able to see those people and those same needs you see and walk away without a second thought living for an an eternal purpose will make you lay down your life and sacrifice what others hold dear it will force you to keep going when you are tired and to keep giving when you feel you have come to the end of yourself loving the world God loves and being a light in the darkness will not make your life easy but it will make your life good. And when you love that way, when you love as God loves, when the light of Jesus shines through you, you'll no longer have to run off looking for joy because joy will have found you. The secret to living with joy isn't meant for us to keep it to ourselves. Part of truly knowing this secret means we're sharing it. We're sharing it with others. Not long ago, I spoke with someone who recently started worshiping with us here at Spry Church. She had come to our church because a a friend of hers had said, why don't you come with me to to our church? We'd love to have you join us. So she did. See how this can work? She came, and she's been coming to our church ever since. And she told me that since she started to worship at our church, she realized that something had had been missing in her life, something she'd never known before. And she described it as a deep sense of peace and joy. And then she looked at me and said, That's what God has given me here. Let's pray. Lord, teach us the secret of learning to be content. In a world that is so full of the lack of contentment, would you teach us to be content? Come, Holy Spirit, Give us that joy and peace which Jesus came to bring. May the light and love of Christ always shine in our lives for the good of others and for your great glory. As Jesus taught us, now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed.